0: This is a Need 10 Media production. All right, welcome aboard, my friends. It's Nate Clayberg And in this episode, we're going to talk to you out there that is thinking, I want to be involved in fitness or sports or athletics or things like that. And there's so many of you out there. Uh, that have competed at whatever level it might be and thinking, I'm just going to continue along those lines. And we're going to talk to somebody who has followed that lines and and ended up into Something maybe differently than she ever thought she would be into and is enjoying every minute of it. But we're going to bring in Amanda Lynch, and I've known Amanda since she was, I can't even tell you how old she probably was, but through a family friend. And uh, Amanda, welcome on the That's a Job podcast.
1: Thank you so much, Nate. Looking forward to the conversation.
0: Well, as we get into it, let's think back uh, probably shortly after I got to know you as you're looking at high school and where you're going and uh, you spent a ton of time as a swimmer. Where did you think you would end up after you were done being a student?
1: You know, it's interesting. While I was swimming in high school, all I ever wanted to do was be a Hawkeye, right? I love the University of Iowa. That was kind of what I won't hold that against my, you. I won't you will hold it against, it against you. me. Oh. Yes, you will. But, you know, that's where I wanted to go. That, that was my path. That was my trajectory. I was planning really to be a sixth generation pharmacist. Um, and kind of go into the family business of what my father has been doing for the last 40 years. And so that was my path. The University of Northern Iowa happened. I had a great opportunity to swim um, for an awesome team there and kind of jump ship off from the Hawkeye train and went into the Panther train instead. And so blessed to be able to do that. That time that I spent as a collegiate athlete is something that I will never, ever, ever take for granted. Your life is not the same when you are a collegiate athlete uh, than being a regular college student. And I am fortunate that I got to do both.
0: And I think that's something that there's so many out there, especially now that feel like they're aspiring to do that and think that it's going to be just like they were uh, an athlete while they were in high school. Talk through that. Just thinking back through that, coming in as a freshman of maybe a culture shock of, oh, this is very different.
1: You know, it's interesting. So I was so fortunate in high school that I really could just swim the season um, and be a state championship swimmer. Um, And then be able to kind of dabble in the swimming, but also dabble in high school um, and really concentrate on my studies and what I was doing and spending time with friends and family. When I got to school at UNI, it is a full-time job. It is eight months out of the year. It is very intense. It's early, early, early mornings walking from the dorms in zero degree weather to hop into a freezing cold pool or run all the stairs at the dome. Again, I wouldn't take it away for anything. It was an amazing experience. It taught me an incredible amount of discipline. Um, It taught me that my mental health was important. Um, And that's kind of when I had a small turning point in my sophomore year where I I was starting to kind of hate the sport and I needed to just be a college student and concentrate on my studies. Um, I was a pre-med major when I came in. Um, And as things were going on and in that space of swimming, intense study, I found exercise science. And that was where it was just a huge turning point for me. I knew I needed to make a decision. It was the hardest decision to walk away. Um, but I knew that if I didn't, I would probably never return to a pool ever again. And that wasn't worth it either. So I really did get the best of both worlds.
0: Right. Yeah. And that's not unusual, is it? And, and no. you know, teammates you've had or other sports that you've come across, you, you see that in different places of and that's the sad thing. You, you probably have swam how many miles in your life? And you're at the point going, I don't love this. And you mm-hmm. were at that point. Talk again through mm-hmm.
1: that. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, again, I'm a huge proponent for mental health and mental well being. Um, and I was getting to the point where I would come to practice needing to have a couple of things. We used to do these underwater exercises where you'd go all the way underwater. And I was terrible at it, even though as a sprint freestylist, who had an Olympic trial cut time as a freshman, I could not swim underwater. It was so hard. And I just got to the point where I would sit at the edge of the pool, trying to psych myself up to do this workout. And I just said to myself, is this what I want to do forever? Like, is this going to be my life? It's such a short amount of time in retrospect. Is this what I want to do? Or do I want to be strong for myself and kind of change course and change path? And so, you know, through a lot of talking with um, my significant other, who is now my husband and my family, you know, it was a a huge decision, especially when money's involved and expectations. Honestly, my worthiness was to the sport because I was so good at it. But at the same time, I just wanted to be me as well because i had kind of lost that.
0: But there are some student athletes out there or, or students that don't read the writing on the wall or, or listen yep. to themselves, don't they? And that yep. Yep. You, know, you probably have seen some challenges with some of those people.
1: Absolutely. And you know, after the fact, it was really interesting having some conversations with some of the, the girls later on in time, just how they felt I was being so brave and that they wish they had kind of stepped back a little bit as well, that it just totally consumed their life. Um, And they lost those four years. And I would tell you unequivocally, I would pay a million dollars to go back to college. I loved my experience. It probably wouldn't have been that way had I really finished out those last two years um, in the program.
0: Yeah, because you were probably on scholarship of some point, right? And and yes. some of your school paid for, and you have some of those yes. going, I've got to keep doing this so they pay for my school. You know, at, what what? The pri- yeah, at what cost? Yeah, at what cost exactly. You come out of the pool and you think exercise science and you're moving forward. What did you think you were gonna do with that?
1: Yes. So I, I loved it. I, I remember the first exercise physiology class I took and we did all this testing. And I said, Why weren't we doing some of this before? I was dissecting frogs in biology and you know, anatomy and physiology was just my Mind blowing from an exercise perspective. And so I really honestly wanted to do anything that had to do with athletes. I mean, that's what most of the people that go into exercise science, at least the ones that I've talked to want to do. They want to work for a sports team, whether that's football or basketball, or be able to be on, in the Olympic training center, or even stay at UNI, or stay at a local school, I'm um, be an athletic trainer. We kind of mixed with athletic trainers as well. And so as I kind of went through school, that was where I, I was going to be. I wanted to work for the University of Iowa. I wanted to be a part of their football program. I wanted to do all of the testing with all the athletes and help with strength and conditioning. That was where I thought my path was. Truly. I'm so happy it did not end up that way. <laughs> yeah, it's a bright, shiny thing. Like It's beautiful. Don't get me wrong, but I just think I would have been doing a disservice to the world in what I do and what I where I serve now. I, I just think it really worked out for the best. It was all in the plan, for
0: sure. Well, as you're coming through uh, Northern Iowa and you're graduating and were there some things you were looking at that lined up as far as careers that you looked at or didn't look at. And, you know, eventually it evolved into where you ended up when that helped probably through some connections you had.
1: Yep. So senior year, I had very much planned actually to go into uh, a master's program um, just because I kind of wasn't sure where I wanted to go, what it looked like. And as you know, Nate, I'm a slight high performer. And so (laughs) I really wanted to, you know, continue my education. However, as kind of the year went on, I did my internship at a um, fitness facility here in town and I loved teaching, loved it. I had never really taught before and I was teaching anywhere between 10 and 15 kickboxing classes a a day Um, and I loved it. I loved the energy. I loved being able to truly see differences in people, all shapes and sizes and ages for that matter. Um, And so I found kind of a niche in that market. At the same time, I knew that that probably wasn't going to be a career for me. I mean, I had an opportunity to have a conversation with our CEO here at Western Home named Chris Hansen. You know, he didn't have a job for me at the time, but he said, I want wellness to be at the forefront for our residents and for our employees from a corporate wellness standpoint. And I'll probably have something for you at, you know, at some time. And I said, great, I will hold on. Um, And so I veered into my second passion, which is politics, which is so funny, but it's kind of been fun now um, being able to work with the population that I do because politics does come up quite often um, and did that for a couple of years, but then was able to veer back to where I really wanted to be.
0: Well, when you look at this opportunity, and, and this is something that's key, I think people forget. And I'm, I'm making a strong assumption here, but I think it's true. You know, Chris reaching out to you is because she, he was a connection to your, yep. your parents and yep. a family friend and the power of the network of people that you've connected with, not even knowing that that may be something someday when you're just a sophomore or a junior in high school or whatever, when, when, your, when your parents met uh, Hanson's, talk through just the power of the people and the connections that you would advise people to be aware of as you're coming through to not really discount or burn bridges on people you get to meet along the way and how you do that.
1: Yeah. You know, it's so interesting to me. I would tell you this, that if there's one thing I've learned in my career, not only from high school and college, but as I've been in the professional world for almost 12 years now, connection is the most important. Right. And so the keys I think are remembering people's names, remembering who they are, something about them, because in the end, you're going to get stuck in a room with people you don't know. And there's going to be that one person that you do know, you are going to gravitate towards them because it's comfortable. But if you don't know their name and you don't remember something about them, it's kind of a wash. And so I think it's just so important for people to understand that connection is everything. Um, from a work standpoint, people know who you are, no matter where you are. And I've been fortunate enough to have good connections in the community of which I've stayed in for the last 34 years of my life. It's everything. It can be everything from here locally. It can be from a state level. It can be from a national level. Like I remember now uh, running into people that I worked with down in the legislature at certain events. And it's, we remember those times and we remember those connections and they always ask me, what are you doing? How are you doing it? You know, is there any opportunities? And it's just been a huge thing. I think social media also plays a part in that too, though. Sure. I think we are way more connected than when I was in high school even. And I think the way that you portray yourself on social media has an impact on the connections that you make with people too.
0: Well, and you talk through how the connections and, and networks, whether skills come, come to mind as, as you were like, that you had to learn. Uh, some of those durable or personal skills you're like, okay, I need to work on this. And when did you discover that? And how did you improve on that?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. You know, it's funny. I I am an extrovert at least looking like an extrovert. And in all actuality, I'm actually kind of an introvert. I like being in a room of people and just watching people. And so kind of forcing myself outside of that box to have interesting conversations with people that I can dive in right away um, was something that I kind of needed to learn and get over Um, I think the other thing too is looking people in the eye Um, and truly having a deep conversation with someone. I think we shy away and we're always looking down at our phones anymore um, versus truly looking up in someone's eye. So I think it's so important just to actually have a personal conversation with somebody no matter what. And then I think too, the other important part is to follow up and also provide people opportunities when they have joyful things happen in their life whether it's you see them in the paper or on social media or what have you, like celebrating those milestones or celebrating those achievements, I think is really important as well.
0: So Chris said, wait, just wait. And all of Mm -hmm. a sudden the opportunity came. Talk about Mm -hmm. that really was a a catalyst for the journey you continue to be on as a very innovative senior living communities, nursing home, whatever you want to call it. It started building up here in in the Cedar Valley area. You jumped in on that train, and it's uh, been nonstop since. Talk through that where you've where you got in and 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 how you grew and how you developed and where you're at right now.
1: Yeah, thank you. You know, it's interesting when I first started at Western Home, I actually was contracted out by a company called Morrison Senior Living. Wellness and Senior Living is sort of new. Um, It won't be, by the way, as we continue to move forward, because the baby boom population is demanding that we have wellness. Um, You know, I have the opportunity to go back to some classes that you and I and some careers classes and kind of talk to people about, you know, here's some opportunities for you. And I would tell you this, in any division of anything that you are doing, as you move through high school, as you move through college, as you go out into the working world, you're going to be working with someone that is older. 55 plus. And so I always encourage people to really look at this field because it is unbelievable. Like I said, I never thought that I'd be working in this, but this is where I was meant to serve. Um, and so as I started in the program, you know, I was guns a blazing. I was 25 years old. I couldn't wait to just go all in and do exercise classes with them. And I learned a lot in my first six months. Right. Uh, right. Some, some really interesting stuff like hey, we don't need to go at this intense of a nature. Like we can slow down, we can breathe, we can try some new things. Um, I remember the first Tai Chi class I ever taught, you know, people had no idea what Tai Chi was. And I had kind of learned on the fly because it was an interest and I wanted to just see who would come to it. And I had 32 people show up to a room that was not big enough for 32 people, but we had an awesome time and, you know, it continued for 10 years. I mean, we still have that class going right now, even though I'm not in the scope of that space anymore, just with my evolution and my job, we're still providing all of those same classes and opportunities for people to age healthfully and however they would like to.
0: So you went from wearing spandex and sweating in front of uh, uh, an, an older demographic uh, <laughs> yes. to, to, to office work. How did that evolve?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So about two years ago, we had the opportunity to kind of look at a program um, that really provided people the opportunity to stay in their home for the long term, kind of at a capitated cost. So uh, I always tell this that our CEO is a visionary. I'm so blessed to be able to work with him. So having that capitation kind of sets you free to be able to do different things. Um, And so it's all wellness-based program. It's all about keeping people healthy and what that looks like for them, their own lifestyle design for our members. I still get to dabble in wellness. I still get to work with people on nutrition counseling. I still get to work with them on personal training opportunities. I still get to work with them on how do you live your life and where do you want to be as you age? Because most people want to stay home. Especially in the 55 plus realm, people just do not really want to move onto our campus. We only serve about 10% nationally as far as an industry and senior living on an actual campus base. So you think about the fact that 90% of people are going to be out in the community in their homes. We want to be able to serve them where they're at
0: well and you get into something like this and and i guess i would define it as it's a membership mm-hmm. organization type thing yep. you're using some business skill sets that you probably didn't take any business classes whatsoever going through college that you've had to mm-hmm. kind of learn talk about that that mm-hmm. uh, gap in in trying to figure out what is this And okay, I have to look at an expense sheet and put a budget together and and presentations, (laughs) things like that.
1: Yes. Okay. So presentation wise, I was good by that point because teaching 30 to 40 classes a week, you're in front of people constantly. I had no problem being in front of people. And I think truly in today's time, being in front of people is what the second scariest thing that people fear is public speaking. So that part was easy for me, but you're right. It is, uh, been a, a journey of growth, of having an amazing coach and mentor that has been with me the entire time that we built this program still is with me today and coaches me on the daily to be not only my best self, um, but also be my best for everybody else in learning about growth, development, being able to understand business practices, being able to understand an income statement, being able to kind of balance the sheet, how much revenue is coming in versus how many expenses are going out. You know, I'm so, so very blessed to have um, him along with me on that ride, but also it's the willingness to learn. Um, I think if you don't have a growth mindset in anything that you do and you kind of put the the blocks up or kind of have that smaller picture, um, you're never going to grow. So you have to think big picture. You have to think, how can I do this? What does it look like tomorrow while I'm handling today? Um, and if you don't do that, you can stay where you're at, which is great. But I can tell you that, man, it's so freeing to be able to keep growing every single day, and it's becoming exactly who you want to be um, as time goes
0: on. So, going from an aspiring uh, uh, person who was going to be testing college football players, and glad you didn't. Now you're working. You know, it's 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 a very purposeful work when you're looking at mm-hmm. uh, helping people who are in their homes and they're going to get older. That's guaranteed, yep. right? And then how you can help them evolve. Is there days you sit there going, how did I get here? I don't even know what I'm doing, but I'm going to do it. Uh, there's yes. going to be some of those days where people say yes. you're doing what?
1: Yes, there are. There's a lot of days like that where I can't believe that my job is to ensure that people remain healthy forever. And on top of that, that potentially I will be there with them on their last day. And that's pretty powerful. You don't have too many jobs where you have the opportunity to make a lasting impact for someone and potentially be there for them when they are no longer on this earth. That is the one thing that I didn't realize when I started working in this environment. Death and dying happens.
0: That's Yeah, that's something right there of, you have been around that. You have built relationships mm-hmm. with, mm-hmm. with uh, people in that generation. And you could have talked to them today and they were in a Tai Chi class and tomorrow they are at the funeral home. You mm-hmm. know, it's mm-hmm. talk through that. That's good. That was something you probably had to prepare for or, or have to, had to reflect on.
1: Reflection actually is a great word because I was not prepared. I always tell people and I would tell any listener, if you go into a college course, the one college course that I wish I would have taken was death and dying. Because anything that you do, is going to involve that. We all are dying, by the way. It is something that's so moving and you are 100% correct. I can think back at least a dozen times where somebody came to a class of mine on a Monday and I found out Tuesday that they had something happen and they passed away. And vice versa too, where it was, they all of a sudden, I watched for months the decline and I couldn't do any more for them. And then they transitioned out into a different part of our continuum And that relationship just isn't the same anymore, whether it's cognitive impairment, whether it's their body kind of gives up on them. It's just a different relationship at that point. And so trying to maintain that in a super positive way um, has been really interesting in our program right now. I remember the first time that it really hit me that I was going to be with someone as their advocate that we have lifestyle coaches that are in our our business. And those lifestyle coaches are kind of the person in their corner that's fighting for them as they age. And if they ever need care or have to transition into a, a level of care, we're providing that for them. But we are the person that walks alongside them on that journey. And I remember the first time that we, we signed a contract, I, I Got, I walked out, got in my car, gave myself a couple minutes because I just had tears in my eyes because I realized that I'm going to be with this person for the rest of their life potentially. Um, and that's that's a huge weight to bear, but it's also the greatest gift too.
0: Well, as uh, I don't want to end it on a sour note, so I got <laughs> uh, how to figure out how to pivot this around of you know talk about you know the experience of your uh, intergenerational uh, work that you do you've yeah. got to have some good stories in there what's what's a fun oh, story yes. you can think of as far as uh, what a resident did or whatever that you want to share with us just so we can end on a more positive
1: note <laughs> thank you i appreciate that you know i will tell you this i have 700 to 1000 depending on the day um, grandparents now that i've had children my daughter comes to work with me sometimes after I pick her up from school. And she is amazing at having conversations with older adults. Amazing. She, she is one of the shyest people I know, which I love that part about her personality. But when she comes here to work with me, she is chatty. She is respectful. She is hilarious with them. And you just see, I mean, you've seen it before too, Nate, you know, people just beam Because as you get older too, like things just change. Family is either not around or it's just not the same. And so I love being able to bring my kids in and be able to uh, experience that. I was just reflecting recently, my daughter just turned seven on her first birthday. I brought her into my class and we all sat in a circle and I have a bunch of pictures of it here in my office and they all sang happy birthday to her. And it's just like, how beautiful is that? that I'm making an impact in my daughter's life, but I'm also making an impact in the people that I serve. It was just such a beautiful moment. The other one that I will say is I had a class, actually one of the guys um, is one of the members of my program now, so we've come a long ways. Him and another gentleman loved to heckle me. And they were in the front row of the class every single time that we had class. And they would just jabber back and forth between the two of them. and which is fine, except that when you're trying to work with people that have hearing impairment, some of them had cognitive impairment that were in the class, so, and, and they were in the back of the room. So I can project, but I can only project so much before before I got a little testy with them. And so uh, me and this gentleman always laugh about that now of, gosh, we've sure come a long ways, haven't we, Amanda? And I'd say, oh, yeah, I love it. But man, that well, day, this-
0: woo. So, and, and I'll be interested to see what your answer is here and you're still young yet where your life is going and where things are going. And you couldn't have probably projected to where you're at now coming out of, you know, uh, wearing the purple and gold in a, in a, in a swimsuit for, for you and I, or whatever. But if I had a magic wand and I said, all right, Amanda, I'm going to give you your dream job. What would that wish be?
1: I'm doing it right now. This is where I was meant to serve this program. And what we are providing for people is what I was meant to do. I have a servant spirit. I want to be the best I can be for the people that I serve while also being an awesome mom and a great wife. I also love coaching and that's my other passion. I love coaching from a leadership perspective. I love coaching my team that I currently have here at Western Home. And so I think the merriment of both of those is in my future. Um, and that that's where I am going. That's what I want to do. So
0: if you want to do something for fun and could get paid for it, what would it be? Coaching. Like leadership
1: coaching, leadership coaching. That's what I would do that. Or honestly, it'd be so cool to be a coach for the Olympic swimming team. Like I, I mean, I coach, you say, I coach swimming. Yeah. I coach swimming. And like, like (laughs) I said, I mean, I had an Olympic trial cut time in college. Like I was, I was going and then I didn't go, but I mean, I was going. And so I, I just, I think that'd be so fun to, experience coaching a sport that I love, coaching growth to people in whatever way that I can. But yeah, it'd be cool. Plus the Olympic training center in Colorado Springs is really awesome. (laughs) I'd be all in for that. So that'd be pretty neat too.
0: So I was a part of uh, one of the, or Amanda was part of the, one of the most challenging evenings of my life. Um, I was sitting in Waterloo and all of a sudden I'll call it a creature. Uh, appears, and this just maybe coincidentally was her wedding day uh, that uh, <laughs> a specific mascot from the University of Iowa uh, showed up. And you bet. I remember it being a very negative experience for me. As I'm a really sorry
1: that it was. I'm really sorry that it was a <laughs> negative experience for you. I will tell you this the two people that made that happen on our wedding day are amazing people. And, you know, I am a panther at heart when it comes to. The school that I went to, I can never. You and I is amazing. It's an amazing university. But I am a true. I bleed black and gold. I never miss a football game. I cry every single time that they come out of the tunnel. You know, it's just who I am. But I am so so lucky to be able to be here in this community and be able to make the impact that I do. This community is bar none, the best in the com- in the country, in my opinion. And I'm going to stay for as long as people will let me well, stay. I, I
0: know, I know you and your husband were super excited, as many people were in there. And I just remember going, "Oh no, I survived." So,
1: you I, did survive, and you did didn't survive. have to have a picture either. You didn't get a picture with them, I no, don't I, think.
0: I think there was there was uh, some coercion to try and get me up there. I was like, absolutely not. I'm I not would have paid up. for that next time. I think even next trying time. to get my kids up there, and I was like, no, you are not. You are not going to get a picture with that. Hey, you know, speaking of which, I want to point out that
1: I did put my big girl panties on and I went to an Iowa State game at Iowa State. It was the okay. year that that major storm happened and oh, yeah. they.
0: Why? Because you vowed to never step foot on that. Yeah, I,
1: I, I had vowed I would never <laughs> do that. I will tell you this, and this is very appropriate, but you know what? It's spot on. They have great tailgating town in Ames. I will say that. <laughs> it was impressive like these people that had carpets and flowers and like all this stuff in iowa city everything's so spread out you know it's like wow I was right there in the action yeah. all day. So kudos it is, to Ames and the, it is the University and of State. Innovation.
0: Amanda, it's been great to to talk to you and learn some things that I didn't know about you and your pathway and things like that. But uh, I'll put some links in our show notes to people who connect with on social media and check out what actually is fortified life in the Western home and And go from there. But uh, again, thank you for being on.
1: Thank you, Nate. Appreciate it.
0: All right, everybody. Thank you for listening and being a part of this journey. And please subscribe and share this podcast. That's a job. It's on Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The That's a Job podcast presented by Career Adventure Academy and the College and Career Discovery Course. Discover the work you are wired to do. Now go live your career adventure. If you haven't done so already, hit subscribe to enjoy future episodes. Build your career adventure at nateclayberg.com. Production assistance provided by Bill Jordan voiceovers. Visit billjordanvo.com. This podcast is a Need 10 Media production.